Would you pray with me? Lord, in light of that, your reign, your rule in this world, would you help us come to a place of surrender and uh, confidence uh, in that reign, uh, that we may walk in your wisdom. May we not just acknowledge that you are wise, but may we submit to your wisdom. May we walk in your wisdom, that it may bless us, it may help us live the full lives you have for us, but it may bless you and it may bless this world. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to humble you as we start. I want you to think of something. I want you to think of when was the last time you did something dumb, okay? Or maybe said something dumb. Now, don't elbow the person next to you like you know what that is, right? You know, do I need to remind you what it was? Okay, just hold on to that. You can think of this. Uh, one of the things I love in the summertime, uh, we do a trip here. We do a houseboat trip with our, our college students, and uh, we used to do it with our high school students also, and I love that trip. I, uh, for many of the trips, I've been a boat driver for it, and we go up to the Sacramento Delta where it's really like all these little waterways throughout California kind of come together and then go out into the Pacific Ocean. And so you'd get these big barges that would go through from time to time. It's like, whoa, look at that. That's crazy. And, and I remember one time I'm driving the boat and I have these tubers behind me. And I'm like, I, I see this barge go by. It's the first time I'd ever seen it before. And I'm like, I'm like, look at that wake. I'm like 100 yards out. I'm like, look at that wake. We got to hit that wake. And so I'm like, boom, I just hit the throttle all the way. Like, we're going about, I don't know, 35 miles an hour right straight at the wake. Now from 100 yards out, that wake looked like it was ah, about here. It was going to be a nice little bump. But once I got to about 10, I don't know, 10 yards away, I realized that that wake was like this high. It was like four or five feet high. And, I, and you, don't, you can't hit brakes on a boat. There's no brakes. Like, so all I realized is there's just no stopping at this point. I realized how, how high that wake was when we hit that wake. We came, it was like Fast and the Furious. I was like Vin Diesel. We were like, and we, I could hear the props spinning. We came, the entire boat came out of the water. It's like, we hit the, the water on the other side. Boom, it's like an explosion inside the, the boat. All of our drinks and everything go everywhere. And we kind of come up and look at each other like, yeah, like, I mean, it was the greatest thing. And then we realized we're pulling people 60 uh, feet away and their eyes are huge as they're kind of coming in. They hit the wake and just explode on impact. They go, bodies are flying all over the place. And I realized right there that that was not the smartest thing to do. That was not a very wise move. It was fun, but it was not the wisest move to do. And sometimes when we don't live in wisdom, it not only affects you, it affects the people around you as well. Now, we began last week uh, looking at a proverb and thinking about this theme that we're going to talk through the summer of riding the wave of God's wisdom as we began to think about uh, with our vacation Bible school, we kind of launched what it was to ride the wave, to, to look at God, that God has a, he has a path, he has a, he has a way of life for us that we're meant to live. And if we'll learn to trust him, last week we saw trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. All your ways, acknowledge him. He's going to lead you. He will show you which path to take. He will make your path straight. As we began to see that last week, we realized there's this wisdom that God has for our lives. And that wisdom is to bless us, is to help us live these full lives. I saw this this last week. I got to go 
uh, spend the week at high school camp with our high school students. And it was amazing to watch as students learned, as they, as they came to this place of trusting in the Lord more and more with their lives. For some, it was the first time they've ever trusted him. And as you heard the one story, there were many stories, some incredible, incredible stories of, of people that were a part of our camp, part of our church that were up there, whose lives are forever changed, who came to a place of knowing Christ for the first time, but who realized, for me to know this life, this full life that God has for me, I have to trust him. And they placed their trust in him the first time. Others realized that if I want to go further, uh, then I'm going to need to go deeper. If I want to go further with the Lord, then I need to learn to trust him more and, and, and seeing a number of students kind of come to this place of, of this deeper commitment. Some realizing that if I will trust the Lord, if I will trust his path along the way, lives are going to be changed. Not just my own life, but you're going to change lives through me. I loved one, uh, uh, the, the very girl that Jason was speaking of. Uh, on the last night, we let our students just share about what God had been doing. And her friend says this. She says to, her, to the whole group, but really to her friend, she says, you know, I've been praying for you for an entire year. And I wanted to like grab that moment. And I was like, how do I get you in front of a thousand Beach Point people and say, this is it. This is, this is why we do 8 to 15. This is why we want you to think about this little world God has placed you in. Here's this 15-year-old girl who's been praying for a friend for the last year of her life and now can see her friend stand up in front of 65 high school kids and say, uh, the first night I realized I need to give my life to Christ. I need to trust him and follow him. And I'm just like, this is it. This is it. And so it was glorious. But we can dismiss all this and say, well, that's what happens at camp. No, that's what happens when you trust the Lord. And whether it happens at a camp or it happens on a Sunday morning or it happens in the quiet of your own home, when we learn to trust the Lord, trust his path, trust his ways for our life, what we find is that there's this life we can live. Now, let me invite you to something for the summer. So what we're going to do in these next weeks is we're going to go through the book of Proverbs and look at some selected Proverbs, but we're going to look at these, these wise sayings, and we're going to look at these for a reason. What we, when summer happens, there's two ways of thinking of summer. One is uh, it's vacation time, right? We're on vacation, or we're going to take a vacation, or we're going to sit at the beach as much as possible. Summer is this time to rest. And I would affirm that, do that. Rest. You need it. It's God-ordained, okay? God has built into the rhythm of your life a commandment to take at least one day where you don't do any work, where you rest. You rest in me, and you realize you don't have to do it all yourself. Trust that I can take care of you. And so God has ordained this. He's built this into the very fabric of our lives. Uh, our family, we're waiting until the very end of the summer until we're at the point of peak exhaustion, and then we're leaving for two weeks later, okay? And we're going to be gone. But we're going to take a break, and we're going to rest, and we're going to get refreshed. You should do that. But the other thing is, summer can be a season in which you don't just mindlessly go about it. You, you actually, it's, it's, a, it's a season in which you can grow in something. I love the, uh, our high school. Uh, my son plays on the high school baseball team over here at Fountain Valley. And I love, uh, his coach said this, hey, have fun this summer. Do whatever you want. Just come back bigger. Uh, it's kind of an ultimatum like, hey, go to the beach, play on a travel team. Whatever you're going to do, you just better come back bigger. And so what my son realizes in, in the fabric of all the different things he's going to do, he has to 
he has to work out. He has to come back stronger. And I think there's some wisdom in that for us spiritually to think about that there's, there's ways that God can help you grow this summer uniquely, strategically, that will really affect your future in your life. So I want to invite you to that. I want to encourage you to, to rest and grow. And so here's the big idea, really not just for this morning, but I think this is a great way to think of the entire summer series. Uh, here it is. Uh, if you want to write this down, God wants us to experience the fullness of life. Now, I want you to think about this because this is kind of a, a, an important moment. Everything else, in some ways, kind of hinges on you believing this or not. And you don't have to believe it yet. I haven't established it, but I want you to think about this. This is a way for you to think of it. If you believe this, if you believe that God does indeed want you to experience the fullness of life, not just later, but now, now and forever, then, you, then you'll position yourself to listen to him. Then you'll position yourself to, you'll allow him to say things that will allow you to be changed. If what you believe is, you, I know you ultimately want my good. I know you ultimately want me to ha- experience life in its fullest. If you believe that, then you will listen very differently. Now, I think the Bible is filled from, from first book to last book with this idea. In fact, when I look at the establishment of God's people, I mean, this is the very idea. In fact, I love that he says this, and there's a lot of you parents. He says, parents, your kids are going to ask you, why, why do we do this? Why do we live by God's wisdom and, and God's commandments instead of some other God? And he says, in that moment, you tell them who I am, you tell them what I've done, and you let them know that if they'll trust me, I'll protect them, I'll provide for them, I'll watch over them, and I'll make sure that they flourish and thrive and have fullness of life. I mean, from the very beginning, of, as he's establishing his people, he says, that's what I want for you now. Your ki- I want you to teach that to your kids. I want your kids growing up to know that of all the paths they can take, they can trust me. Jesus then comes on the scene, right? And Jesus just echoes this. Jesus says, he says, look, there's a thief that comes. And his path is to ultimately kill you, steal from you, destroy you. He says, but I've come so you might have life. Life that's abundant, life that's full. I love how one translation says it, the message says it this way. He says, I came so they can have real and eternal life. More and better life than they ever dreamed of. And so this summer, we're going to go through the Proverbs. And Proverbs simply refers to the various forms of wise, insightful pronouncements. But, but you need to understand something. There's a goal. The goal of the writers of Proverbs is this, that you would learn how to master life. That you would learn secrets behind how to live the most full, abundant life possible. And that begins, the only way you can receive this wisdom, if it begins with you really having faith that God really wants my best, that God really wants me to have life and have it to the fullest. And so with that in mind, let me invite you to turn to Proverbs chapter 1. And we're going to read uh, verses 1 to 7, which is an introduction to the book. And will kind of help set the tone for the, uh, the next weeks that we have together. And our goal today is just to help you understand a little bit better where we're headed so that you can receive it. Proverbs 1, 1 to 7. And we read these words. It says, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. 
for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance. For understanding Proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. And this is kind of the thesis statement of of the book of Proverbs. This is an important line. He says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. All right, so in this introduction, there's two things I want us to see. I want us to see two things, and and I think there's an appropriate response uh, for this really to take heart for us. And the first observation I, I want you to make is this, that we see is that godly wisdom is a lens for life. If you look at the first two verses, what you see is as Solomon is speaking, really, he, it, it, these first nine chapters especially, maybe the first ten, but there, you, you really start to understand, here is a father speaking to his son. He's very direct and saying, my son, my son, my son. And so there's this idea of, of the young of a parent speaking to a child, of, a, of raising up a next generation, say, I want you to understand the, the, these wise things. I want, you, I want you to see life through this. See, uh, I have, the, here's a humbling moment for me. I, I began to understand something. I, I was struggling. And what I was struggling with was, as I was, as I've been getting older, I realized that the, page, that the words on pages and things were getting smaller and smaller. And I was like getting really frustrated because about 10 years ago, I had eye surgery. I had the, the laser surgery to help me see better. And I can see things far away really well. But I, I, can't, I couldn't see things close. And I was like, I was mad. Like, I, I, I didn't get my money's worth. And, and here's what the doctor said. He said, um, there is a surgery and there is technology to help you see this way. But there is no technology for the aging of your eye. As you get older, Bill, you will need reading glasses. And so I, here's what I've learned. If I really want to see clearly, I have to put on, here you go, I have to put on my reading glasses. And so all of a sudden it was like, oh my, there's, there's words there I didn't even know were on the page. And it's really 620, not 920. Like, no wonder I, I'm three hours late. I, I mean, all of a sudden there was seeing the world through these I began to see things differently. I began to understand things differently. There was clarity where there was once a blurred vision. And notice what he's saying here in these first verses to his son. He's saying this, if you want clarity, live in God's wisdom. If you want perspective, live in God's wisdom. One of the things that you begin to see is this, is that you won't, you won't, uh, you don't look at godly wisdom. You look through godly wisdom. What you're going to see is that the Proverbs are, in essence, and that this wisdom of God is like a lens in which you interpret the world through. That once you put this lens on, once you begin to come to this place of trusting this wisdom, it's like it's a new lens and you perceive things differently as a result. Now for us, we, we come to places of interpretation there's a lot of different streams that feed our interpretation. When we want to decide whether or not we believe something is right or true or how we're going to live, there's at least four different streams for us as Christians. One is Scripture. So Scripture has an authority in our lives. It speaks into our life. The wisdom of God speaks into our life. 
Second, I would say it's the church or tradition. So as the church has traditionally understood the wisdom of God and collectively agreed that this is the interpretation and this is what it means, a third thing would be culture and how culture has a voice and what culture says and as culture changes. And and even in terms of scripture, trying to understand what was going on in the time and why they would say certain things. And then a fourth thing would be experience, our own personal experience. And, and, and let's be honest, we shape our understanding about life through our experiences. But of those four things, you have to decide which is going to have authority in your life. So of those four things, something has to have authority. And of course, what, what God says is he wants to be the authority. He wants to be the authority. He wants his word to be the authority. He wants his voice to be the authority. So it's not so much it's the Bible, it's, it's God's authority as we understand it through the scripture. And it's interesting for us because I think sometimes we approach the wisdom of God, the scriptures of God, kind of like the pirate's code. Uh, do you remember the pirate's code from Pirates of the Caribbean? So there was uh, this code. It was their, the pirate's Bible, basically, that they lived by. And so they'd, they'd kind of call on these certain rules, and they would say these things. And then Captain Barbosa came in, and, he, and he, he tried to describe it. And he said, really, the code is more what we call guidelines than actual rules, right? And so some of us, we're really only a small monkey away from living that exact same way. The way we think of the authority of God is we think of it as, it's kind of really more a guideline than a, than a real rule or authority in our life. And you have to see something. What, what Solomon is saying to his son is, look, if you want insight, if you want understanding, you're going to have to be able to see that this has authority. See, the, the biblical writers, especially when we think of the, the wisdom literature, Proverbs, Psalms, Ecclesiastes, these kinds of books, they write from an understanding of God's majesty, of God's uh, wonder and his power. I mean, listen just to one verse, Psalm 119. You could read all of Psalm 119 and you'd see this echoed again and again and again. But just one verse, verse 152. He, the psalmist writes, Long ago, I learned from your statutes that you established them to last forever. Think about what he's saying. Your, your statutes, your, your, the, the rules of life. You established them not to be in a time and in a place, but to be in all time, in all place. And so it's very important that we begin to have that expectation. See, the expectation that Solomon has, and that the writers, especially as you'll see in Proverbs, the expectation is as you're reading these words, as you're hearing this wisdom, you're going to see the word listen, hear, uh, uh, turn your ear towards. And the idea is never that you would just ponder it that you would just consider it like, hmm, interesting. Let's sit and drink coffee in Starbucks for five hours and talk about it. it, it I, that's not the idea. When you see here, listen, uh, listen to my words, you know, it, it always is referring to obey. You would be wise to do these things. And so I want you to see from the very beginning that what Solomon is saying and what the, the book of Proverbs is going to say to you is there is a way to perceive the world Look at the world through the wisdom of God, and you will see it differently than you probably did before. That's the first thing. The second thing is this. If that's true, the second thing is important then. That godly wisdom then is going to point you in new directions. You're going to see that godly wisdom is going to point you in new directions. And we see this in verses 3 to 6. 
that beyond just perspective, when you, cha- when you allow this, the wisdom of God to, to, to affect your perspective, you should expect. All, all I want to do right here is just prepare you. I just want to, I feel like the, the person like right before you're on a giant roller coaster is telling you, hey, if you can't handle motion and this and that, you might get sick along the way. I just want to prepare you. If you're going to open your life up to God's wisdom, you should be prepared for change. Changing the way you think, changing the way you act. In some ways, it's going to be, um, one of the ideas in scripture is that scripture corrects us. It, it takes what's bent and it kind of straightens, it takes what's bent and, there you go, it takes what's bent and straightens it. And so some of us, let's just be honest, all of us have this. We all have ideas that we realize, we won't maybe realize they're bent until we see it through the perspective, through the lens of scripture. And then all of a sudden we realize, oh, I gotta, that's not the right way to think. And we let scripture bend it and straighten it and put us in the right direction. So you should expect change along the way. Change the way you think and change the way you act. Notice the, the way that you see, he says, talks about prudent behavior. And, and this idea is that it, this, these words that you're about to read are going to be instructive to you. It's going to be like going to training camp or spring training. It, it, you're going to go, you're, through these words, you're going to learn new skills that come from new insights. You're going to navigate in ways you never uh, realize you can navigate. Have you ever heard the expression, fools rush in, right? Th- this is the idea that there's, there's a way of looking through this that we begin to understand the world better. And as a, a result, we can make better decisions. We can actually navigate decisions better. We learn to do what is just and right and fair. There's, uh, this is, I think, exciting in some ways. You learn street smarts. Not just school smarts. You learn street smarts. You learn how to live in this world. And one interpreter, uh, he, he interpreted it this way. He says, I love this word. He says, it's like, he says, it's caginess. You, you learn how to be shrewd and not naive. You learn how to perceive what the best plan is and move in it. And so this is the idea behind it. Now, here's, this is, as part of the expectation, let me give you an expectation with this. You should have the expectation to grow and keep growing. Here's what I mean by this. A lot of us think about um, growth like stairs, climbing stairs. And so we learn something, we master it, we climb the next stair. We learn something, we master it, we climb the next stair. We learn something, we master it, we climb the next stair. And what happens is then we struggle with something that we thought we should have mastered already and we're really hard on ourselves, aren't we? We're, we're frustrated. Like, how, I must have done this. You know, I, I went down the stairs. Let me change the way you're thinking because I think what Proverbs helps us understand is there's this way that instead of thinking of it like a, a traditional stair, think of it like a spiral staircase. The, the truth is, if you have this, this new lens, what you're going to find is this, is that you are going to come around to things that you dealt with before but you're probably going to come around to them in accelerated levels. You're going to deal with something again and again and again, but now you have insight. Now you have perspective. Now you have experience. Here's a perfect example, I, th- I think, from this last week. We were talking about our, our students, and we were talking about some of our, our, our students were talking about uh, their struggle was lying, deception. Now, when you're a high school student, we were talking about, you know, I, I lied to my mom. I hide things from her. I don't let her know I'm failing a class or there's some stuff going on I don't want her to ever find out. You know, all that kind of stuff. 
Now, the, the traditional understanding would be like, I'm going to learn to stop. I'm going to try hard. I'm going to learn to stop lying, and I'll be done with lying. I'll be done with deception. I'm 46 years old. I'm not done with deception yet. I don't lie to my mom anymore, I don't think. I don't, I don't really lie to my mom anymore. That's a lie probably too. Um, I don't lie to my mom anymore, but I'm still struggling with deception, self-deception probably most of all. Uh, things I, I think and want and perceive to be true that I'm just not willing to be honest enough to admit it's a problem. And so while I haven't left deception, what I have done is I've climbed the staircase and I'm dealing with deception at a much accelerated level, but it, 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 I'm still there. And so what I don't do is I don't beat myself up and say, I'll never get rid of, I, I'm no better than I was, you know, when I was 14 years old and I was lying to my mom. I do realize, wow, Lord, you brought me a long way and you're going to keep taking me. And this will take probably a whole lifetime to grow through but that's okay. And I love that we have so many things, life groups, celebrate recovery. We have a lot of means to help you with that. Don't beat yourself up along the way. Okay. As we go through this series, we're going to talk about really practical things. You're going to think, why am I no better at this? Hopefully you are a little bit better, but you should at least have the expectation to grow and keep growing. That's part of the life of a disciple. To be an authentic follower, the expectation should be you'll grow and keep growing. And you have to understand this. If you're going to be led in new directions, this is so good. This is so important because there are, as I was kind of alluding into the the, the, uh, beginning story, there are often consequences to not living a wise life. Not just for yourself, but usually for the people that are closest to you. That, that the, when you don't live the life God has, the, the, the path he has, you don't trust him that it doesn't just hurt you, it hurts people that are very close to you. One of our high school leaders asked his kids this. I thought it was a great question. He asked them, how do you think missing or ignoring God's path has not only hurt you, but hurt others? I thought, wow, that is a great question. The easiest way for us to think of missing God and not trusting the Lord is that, wow, I'm missing out. But what I, I need to think through is, how is this affecting when I don't trust the Lord, when he's leading me to a full life, how is his intention really not just to bless me, but to bless those people that are closest? And I have to think of this because when I trust the Lord, it has an immediate effect on Kimberly, my kids, my staff, and my close friends. And so learning, I want the Lord to speak to me in this way because it blesses those around me. See, this is why it's so important for you to talk about this as families, as life groups, as friends outside of this you know, hour we have together here. We, we were sharing last week that the reality is this. If you, if you delegate this to the church, if you put it all in the church, parents, if you let the church be the only ones that are going to train your child up in the spiritual life, then what you're going to see is this. We have a, on average about 40 hours, but you have about 3,000 hours. And so we talked about this 43,000 ratio. And as we talked about this, think about this, how important this is that this doesn't just live here in this one hour a week, but it goes home. Again, we see this when God was saying, here's the way I have for you to live. And he said this, talk about it at home and on the road. Talk about it when you get up and when you go to bed. And the idea is talk about it everywhere. Talk about it anytime. Make time, discuss this, think about this together. Well, for this to happen, there has to be a response. And here's the response. We see it in verse 7. Godly wisdom requires surrender. Surrender. Verse 7. 
that the beginning of knowledge, the beginning of wisdom is in the fear of the Lord. Let me help you understand that, that idea real quickly. So he says, if you really want knowledge, if you really want wisdom, if you really want to get it, 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 it comes by fearing Yahweh. Now, f- by fear, he doesn't mean terror, but he probably means a little bit more than just awe. Uh, there was a great line that our choir sang um, in the earlier service. Uh, they said, to tremble in your holy presence. That was one of the lines of the song. I thought, that's just it. See, wise, sage people tremble in the presence of God. His awesomeness like overwhelms them in such a way that there's this, there's this sense of trust. And, and ultimately what he's trying to tell his son is this. This is not just, this, these aren't just words on a page. It, it all comes down to you knowing God. Apart from a relationship with God, you will never know. You'll, th- this wisdom, these, this, these insights, they will never impact your life apart from knowing God. What God wants is for, he wants to be your God. And he wants you, he wants you to be his people. He wants you to trust him. And we begin to see as we look closer how wonderful he is. And as we see this, we, what we begin to understand is that the more we look at God, think of this, God could have simply just create, created, and he did. In fact, Romans 1 says, look, if you just look at creation, you see his power. And we can say it's just, just by the, his sheer power, we should trust him. We should surrender to him. Or maybe just, okay, you're smarter than us. We should just submit to your wisdom. But let me echo what we, we shared last week, if you weren't here. But we said, look, beyond all those things, consider his love. See, in his love, what you discover is that God is for you and that he's with you, that he wants to be in relationship with you. And if he's for you and if he's with you, then he, above all else, should guide you. I love the story of a, a young girl. Her name is Shauna. She's married, and uh, in these first years of her marriage, they were struggling. Her husband, uh, it was a typical Sunday morning for her. She woke up. Her husband hadn't come home again from a night of partying, and she was like, I'm done. I'm over it. They had a small child, and it, she, it was just one of those mornings where as she was doing the dishes, she had the TV on. It's kind of like just sound wallpaper, and because uh, it was Sunday morning, a church service was on, and she kind of had half an ear to it. She listened to it, and she said, you know what? I'm, she just grabbed her kid. She, goes, she looked at the, the address of the church. She goes, I'm going. She got up, she got her kid, went to the service. And her goal was this. I'm going to muster. This is going to give me the emotional strength I need to kick my husband out. I'm going to kick Rick out. And she went and she says, I was surprised because at the end of the service, there was an invitation given. And much like we've done here, there was an invitation. The pastor said, uh, invited them to raise their hands to surrender their lives to Christ. And Shauna said, I I just knew that's what I needed. And she surrendered her life to Christ. And she talked about it from that moment on, something changed in me. She went home and her husband noticed it. And he asked, can I I go to church with you? And he started going for weeks. And his hope was, this will make me a better guy. I'll keep doing better things. And he realized, this is not working. So I'm, I'm trying to become a better person. I go to church. I'm trying to become better. But all I, I keep doing is going back to the same old things. And it wasn't until he got invited to go on a men's retreat. And he went on the men's retreat. Uh, he went on the men's retreat. This is why. And he said he was confronted with something. That it wasn't about him becoming better it was about him surrendering to Christ. 
And so in that retreat, he surrendered his life to Christ and he came back. He says, now I understand how to start becoming the husband you need, how to start becoming the father our child needs. But it wasn't until that moment of surrender. And see, this wisdom, it's just words unless you surrender to Christ. So why of all the past should you surrender to Christ? We're going to close uh, our service with a, uh, a special uh, way of worshiping together. Jesus, on the last night of his life, he gave the church a gift. He gave it a, a, a way to remember him. And as Jesus was with his disciples, he took bread and he broke it. And as they were sharing the meal, he encouraged them, take this bread, eat it. And as you do, remember me. He took a cup and he passed it. And he said, this cup represents my blood that's going to be shed for you. Take and drink and as you do, remember me. And the church began this ritual, this, this way of remembering that Christ broke his body and shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sins. And as they w- would take that, there was this, this powerful way in which th- there was this way, and we will experience it as well. There, if you need any more demonstration, any more proof, God demonstrates his love for you in this. While you were sinners, Christ died for you. When the bread and the cup come, there's a way in which as you hold these elements, as you taste these elements, you know without a doubt that God is for you. I don't have to convince you anymore that God wants the fullness of your life. He has demonstrated it by sending his son. Jesus has said, look, I want you to have full life. And then he, he showed it in the most dramatic way possible, the, the most ultimate sacrifice by giving his own life. When these elements come, you remind yourself that God is for me. Now, fascinating enough is that as the church began to take these elements and be reminded that how much God was for them, the Apostle Paul wrote to one of the churches and he said this, look, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim his death until he comes again. And see, what he was saying is this, he is for you. But you know what else? It's not only that he did something for you, he's doing something now. And he's going to do something ultimately when he fully redeems this world. And so what we began to understand is that we're not alone. That when we take these elements that he is with us, he is doing this life with us. He's not just instructing us on how to do it and good luck. I hope you have enough willpower. I hope you have enough internal fortitude. He says, I will do it with you through my spirit. And so as these elements come, you remind yourself not only that God is for you, but God is with you. And if he is for you and he is with you, who better to guide you in this life? Who better to direct your life than Jesus Christ? And so as the elements come, that they're double cup, grab, grab down deep, pull out two cups, okay? As you hold the bread and then you hold the cup, I want you to envision something. I want you to envision Jesus as, you, as the room will get kind of dark and we'll kind of just a moment to pray. I want you to envision this. I want you to envision Jesus standing before you simply saying these words to you. An invitation, let me guide you. Let me guide you. And you decide if that's what you want or not. See, Jesus would say all the time to people he'd come across, people whose lives were wrecked, people who thought they had it all put together, and he would simply say these simple words, follow me, 
follow me. And so as we take these elements, I want to encourage you, listen to this invitation. Let me guide you. So let's pray. Lord, as we invite each person here, uh, this is your table. It's not beach points. Each and every person that's here, we simply invite them, Lord, to listen to you, speak to them, and say, let me guide you. Would you let your voice be as clear as it was uh, on those days near the, the Sea of Galilee or near a tax collector's booth or at a party or in a home? Lord, let your voice in our lives tonight, today, be clear. May we hear you speak to us. Let me guide you. And may we surrender. Let this be a moment of surrender. Help us inspect our lives and help us surrender. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You're invited to take, as the elements come, take the bread and cup. And when you're ready, eat and drink and remember the Lord.